Yes, welcome back to Plumbing Secrets and Other Political Trappings. This is Ed Harris, your host, Plumbing Secrets. I want to welcome everyone back. Little shout out to composer and artist extraordinaire, the famous Bill West. Thank you for your intro music, as always. Uh, so, the title of uh, today's opening episode, it's uh, season three. It's our third season. Hard to believe you guys are still downloading this. Um, Season 3, Episode 1. And it's entitled, 2022 and You. And that has absolutely no meaning at all. It just kind of rhymed, and I thought, hey, let's just use that. Seriously, hello, everyone. I, I hope you're all safe. I hope everybody is well. And uh, no one's having any issues of any kind. And um, we're, we're on track to greater things. Uh, I had, if you wondered why I waited just a little bit to crank up season three, I, I was just kind of letting the world uh, evolve a little. Um, and, you know, it, it's kind of like sitting at home and looking out the window while you hold the popcorn, <laughs> eating it and watching all the craziness. Uh, kind of like a B movie or something. Um, I hate to say that, but it, it's been like a B movie. Uh, things are, luckily, somehow, getting a little better. Um, as many of you know, that you know, there's good and bad. You know, everyone's talking about some of the craziness of inflation. Um, you know, a lot of that's, you know, if we're going to be honest, put our little honest caps on. You can get upset about it. You can be mad about it. Uh, maybe you made money or maybe you didn't. Maybe your 401k is taking a hit um, or not. Uh, but, you know, we, we all know this is directly related to several factors um, that came in tandem. And, and whether you like it or not, we, we, we had a major massive tax cut and then we went into a pandemic. Um, I'm not a fan of massive tax cuts, uh, personally. Um, I think that's just silly and stupid. It's bad, bad governing. But you know, it's again, it's opinion. Everybody has an opinion. They have a perfect right to disagree. But it just so happened we kind of did both of those things in tandem. And um, that that's not good. And we all know the result. We're living with it right now. So it'll take a little more time for things to um, kind of pan out. Some new normals, you know, all those lovely phrases. Um uh, as I've said before in previous podcasts, I really don't want things going back to the way they were before, uh, necessarily, because they didn't work. So I'm looking forward. I'm, I'm uh, 
even though we're right here on the day that apparently Russia is sending troops into Ukraine. Um, just so brilliant. Um, and yes, that's sarcasm. Uh, I still have lots of hope. I have hope for our country, our state, our the business, uh, and, and each and every one of you out there. So, let's get started on some stuff here, okay? It's a, it is a new year, 22 and you. Um, I, I, you know, I'm going to do a quick countdown. The top five reminders here, okay? And, and yeah, there's a few of you out there preaching to the choir, but even you forget. Um, so, we'll start with number five. Number five, reminder. Sometime in the very near future, like today, um, check and make sure your main shutoff valve for your house, apartment, condo, whatever works, and that you have one. I know you've some of you've heard me talk about this in the past. Uh, if you don't know where it's at, well, what are you going to do when the house starts flooding? Um, and also check that you know where the clean-out is at and that it's still you can still get to it. I know that sounds stupid, but things happen throughout the year. And uh, things get covered up with mulch and dirt and rain moves stuff around and, and you've forgotten where that clean-out is for your, for your house. It's good to know where it's at. Um, number four. Believe it or not, flush and maintain your water heater. All water heaters need to be flushed. It doesn't matter whether it's a tankless uh, or a tanked unit, gas, electric, whatever. They all need to be flushed. Uh, we, we've, we've mentioned this before. You do not turn the water off to your water heater if you have a tanked heater, uh, which is the most common. You simply hook a hose to the bottom and run it to a safe place, like outside. Um, and you can turn off the breaker for your uh, hot water heater or not. You don't have to. You're not going to hurt anything because you're not turning the water off. Anyhow, you open the valve down there at the bottom and you let it run for about 10-15 minutes. And then you turn it off. And you coil your hose up, put it away. It is just that simple. 30 minutes later, approximately, you'll have a full tank of hot water again. Now, tankless heaters, they're, they're unfortunately, tankless heaters, there just is no workaround. If you're not a plumber, leave it alone. Most of your tankless heaters are gas. There are plenty of electric ones out there. But all of them, if you do the wrong thing, can be catastrophic. You can cause harm to yourself, to your house, to the water heater. Call a plumber. Just, you know, uh, if, you, if you don't have the money, save up the money. Call somebody, find out how much it is, and just do it the right way. Uh, but have it serviced. Number three, an easy one, folks. You get two bangs for the buck here. Dump the entire ice tray out of your ice maker into your disposal. If you don't have an ice maker, empty all your ice trays out. It's the perfect time to actually wash them out with soap and water and let them dry and then refill them and let them crank up again. But if you have an ice maker, dump the whole tray out, the whole bucket, and 
take that opportunity to actually wash it with soap and water, dry it out with a paper towel or let it air dry, and then put it back into your refrigerator. But the ice goes down the garbage disposal. You run some hot water and turn it on and make sure all the ice goes down it. It sharpens the blades and cleans the ice, uh, the uh, uh, disposal out. Now, now, just a simple reminder. I hate garbage disposals. I think they're a waste of time. They are not convenient. They break constantly. But if you got one, try and take care of it. And this is one of the things you should do. There are plenty of garbage disposals out there. So this is a key trick. The sharper the blades, the better it works, the less it stops up, and the longer it lasts. Number two, coming up on the top two here. Number two, hose faucets outside. Whether you live in a condo or house uh, or even an apartment, you know, you can be conscious of this. Go you know, find your hose bibs outside uh, and, and just make sure they're shut off. I, I, I'm not a massive fan of these Y connectors you can buy at the box store or online, uh, at the hardware store. But uh, that being said, people use them, they leak and people forget and leave them on and, and they leak and the hose bursts or it starts to slowly leak. So Check your hose bibs. Make sure they're turned off. Uh, it, it's something that can just go right to the back of your mind. You don't think about it because you're not using it and you're busy. Uh, it happens to the best of us. So make a conscious effort uh, to walk around. Find all your hose bibs. Make sure they're turned off. Make sure they're not leaking. The number one reminder is also the number one user of water in the world, okay? And that is the flapper in your toilet. Toilets come in all shapes and sizes. Uh, flapper can mean many different things, okay? Uh, there are some toilets called ultra flow or ultra flush that if you take the lid off, you don't see any water. You see this black tank that's in there. Well, the handle, if you... Look at it. Take a moment. You don't need to be an engineer or a plumber. You'll see the handle connects to something. That's actually like a plunger. But for the sake of this podcast and this reminder, we're going to refer to it as a flapper. It's a type of flapper, even though it is a plunger. It plunges and releases the water into the toilet. Well, you need to take a look at that. Make sure it doesn't have water around it. There's not supposed to be any water there. And... Make sure it, it plunges uh, normally, which means when you press the handle, it snaps down and it comes right back, you know, very promptly. Uh, for the rest of the world, or most of the rest of the world, you'll have a, what appears to be a disc-shaped object with a chain connected to it. And underneath the disc is a cone-looking uh, uh, shape that protrudes downward. And you want to make sure the flapper is nice and clean on the underside of that disc and that it's seating up properly and you're not leaking water by. Now, if you do not have a whole house filter that that dechlorinates, um, uh, or if you, if you live 
uh, say in the country on well water and you're not chlorinating your water, which is pretty dumb, but if you want to drink the pesticides, go for it. Uh, uh, but aside from those few individuals, um, if you're just like on city water, you have tons of chlorine and ammonia, ammonia and various chemicals that are used to uh, make your drinking water so you don't die when you drink it. Uh, but it also eats up flappers. It literally melts them. The most common two colors of flappers are red and blue dark blue, okay, and a deep, deep red. And what you'll find is that when your flapper is sitting in that chlorinated water for a good period of time, that it turns pink and baby blue. Now, that, that's a common way to know you need to change it. The other little uh, trick is when you touch it with your hand, it's, it's stiff, Shouldn't be stiff. These should be nice and pliable. Now, there are some cheap toilet makers out there that have a flapper that comes with their toilet that is a hard cover and has a little thin disc underneath it. And in some cases, it's just like a thin sheet of styrofoam. Pretty cheap. But you get those kind of toilets at the box stores, which... Don't buy stuff at the box stores. Um, anyhow, uh, aside from that particular one, all the other flappers are kind of soft and pliable. And, you know, they're made to, like, flow with the water and fall back down and seal up nicely so your toilet tank fills and you just keep on going. So flappers that aren't working properly are old need to be replaced. That is the worst way and the most prevalent way that water just goes down the drain. Okay, And while there are some municipalities that do really good work with, with uh, recycling their water and getting it out there to various medias uh, and, and reusing it, there are just as many that don't. Okay, So, uh, uh, don't let it go down the drain. You know, the nice thing about a leaking hose bib is at least it's going onto the ground. And yes, it's making its way back through the, the nature's filter. So that's your top five reminders. Um, just remember to do those things. Uh, now, you know, our namesake, Plumbing Secrets, uh, I reviewed all the emails that have come in the last couple of months, and there have been a lot of great suggestions, but a couple of things stood out, and I'm going to share it with everybody on the podcast, and these are, call it what you want, plumbing secret, trick of the trade, but um, there are, we're going to call it the three taps, okay? It's because the word tap is used in all three, okay? Anyhow. The first one, you know, plumbing secret, trick of the trade, whatever. I call it the relief valve tap. Now, what is the relief valve? Your relief valve is a brass fitting that if you have a tanked water heater or tankless, but let's stick with the tanked for right this second, it's located typically in the middle 
on the top of your water heater and it has a little lever on top of it. Uh, it also can be really high up on the side. Typically, if it's been installed properly, there'll be a pipe that leaves it and, and it, it goes off the top of the water heater and it goes down along the side of the water heater and goes into the pan if you have a pan or it goes into the wall and goes outside somewhere. If you have a tankless heater, the majority of tankless heaters are hanging on an outside wall. But directly beneath all tankless heaters is a tankless heater valve kit. And it's typically red and blue. You know, little handles. The, the blue is for the cold water going in. The red is for the hot water coming out. On the red side, which is the left side, uh, there'll be a relief valve there. It's got that same little lever on it and a pipe coming out of it. And it extends down toward the ground if it's outside. It'll be about 6 to 12 inches off the ground. Uh, if it's on the inside of the house, it will just go into the wall and go outside. Anyhow, that's your relief valve. Now, if you see water coming out that, that's not particularly a good sign. Your relief valve is designed to keep the unit from blowing up, from exploding, from causing death or dismemberment or, or serious property damage. It's designed to relieve the pressure before there's an explosion. So if you see water coming out, you need to call a plumber, okay? But let's say it, you have some mitigating circumstances. It's the weekend. You got a house full of people. Uh, it's a holiday. It's, you're broke, <laughs> okay? You don't have any money. Well, there's a way you can buy time for Monday until you can call that plumber and not have to pay crazy charges. The relief valve is pretty tough, okay? A relief valve is in that same family of, if you've ever watched shows like the movies, like The Right Stuff or anything to do with astronauts, you know that there's a hatch, okay? And the capsule that comes back to Earth has explosive bolts. And if you've ever paid attention in any of those movies, they always make quite a big deal about how those hatches don't just accidentally pop off, okay? Um, you've heard the phrase bulletproof, okay? Well, yeah, they're, they're kind of bulletproof, right? They're, they're sort of really tough and they, they work every single time. Relief valves are kind of like that. Um, they're very tough, solid brass. It, it has a couple of parts to it, but not much, and they tend to last a very, very long time, usually as long as they're not needed. In other words, they've been activated. Well, the little handle on top, um, uh, my first advice to you is leave that alone. <laughs> you don't touch that. The only time you ever open up that is when you're... if you're emptying an old water heater and you're trying to drain it, okay? Because it's bad and you're going to be throwing it away or, you know, recycling it. Um, uh, that's the only time you do that. Uh, uh, otherwise, don't touch that. <laughs> Leave that alone. Don't lift that handle. That little handle, you can look at it. it didn't, you know, you don't have to be too curious, but you can look at it You'll notice that little handle is attached to what appears to be 
something that looks like the size of the pin inside your ballpoint pen. And it, it extends down inside that brass fitting. Well, what it's attached to is a disc and a spring. And that spring holds that disc firmly against uh, an opening. And that spring is, is rated, if you will. It's strong enough to go to a certain pressure. And if, if your water heater gets above that pressure, well, it opens and it relieves whatever that excess pressure is, allowing the, the water to escape or steam and keeping the water heater from exploding and blowing up like a grenade. So let's say it's dripping a little bit. You know it's a problem. You've been told it's a problem. You remember that that crazy guy Ed on that stupid podcast told me, oh, I'm going to have to call a plumber. But again, it's at night, it's a weekend, whatever. You've discovered this, you're broke. You literally can take a regular nail hammer, okay, and gently tap the very top of that pin, where, right where it attaches to the handle. Just gently tap it. Don't hammer it like you're hammering a nail, okay? But that being said, you're not going to hurt it. It's not going to blow up. It's not going to explode. It's not going to break off, okay? You're not going to harm anything. Uh, but to, to explain what happens real quick, as I said, think of it, it's a disc. Think of a Frisbee, okay, that happens to be laying over a hole. And there's, there's a spring that's holding that Frisbee down, all right, pressing down on it. So nothing can come out the hole. But when the relief valve has kicked off, for whatever reason, including you playing with the handle, um, what happens over time, uh, usually after the first year of a water heater, there begins to be a little bit of calcium, actual white calcium buildup um, right around the edge of the ring. So when you lift that, or when the relief valve lifts the disc up to relieve the pressure, when it goes to seat back up, there's no guarantee that that calcium didn't move a little bit. And the disc isn't able to really seat back up. So a little workaround is you can tap the top of the pen, and that will help it seat up a little bit better. It is not a permanent solution. It's just a quick fix to get you through till Monday or for a week or two until you can, you know, set aside a few bucks or borrow some money and get a plumber out there. All right. That's called the relief valve tap. Little handy thing. The next thing I call is the hot water foot tap. That's where you're tapping your foot, sitting there waiting on the hot water to get to your shower. Okay, you're standing there oftentimes butt naked, out of the stream of the water, waiting on, keep touching the water. Is it here yet? Is it here yet? Is it here yet? Now, there are all kinds of proper solutions, mechanical proper solutions for this, but we're not going to go there. Uh, the, the, the simple tip where you don't spend really any money, okay, is stop turning your shower on first. Okay, and uh, stop just running your shower 
for long periods of time because the water heater is 100 foot across the house, okay? Stop doing that. Either call a plumber and get that fixed. There is a mechanical solution. But if you're not willing to do that, okay, because you're not able to or, or you're too cheap, <laughs> sorry, um, then stop standing there tapping your foot, all right? Start brushing your teeth before you get in the shower or taking a tub. Just simply brush your teeth. And when you go to brush your teeth, turn the hot water on and leave it running. Now, I know that's counterintuitive because we're all trying to save water. You should be. However, you're also trying to bring hot water to the bathroom so you can take your shower because most of us don't take ice cold showers unless there's something seriously off. Uh, you know, that, that's just not something we do, right? So mitigate it. Use a little bit of water, but only use the water that's coming out of the faucet that you can actually sit there and use because you're brushing your teeth, okay? A couple things happen when you do this. Number one, you achieve your goal of bringing hot water to the bathroom. And then when you go to turn the shower on, it's only a matter of two or three seconds and you have hot water and you get right under the stream very quickly. The other thing is you, you, you are using water, a lavatory sink that we put all kind of crap down. And yeah, I say that kind of in a mean way, don't I? That's because people do. Uh, uh, I, it's amazing the, the stuff people put down their bathroom sink. Uh, and, and again, do what you want, live your own life. I'm not going to criticize you. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be critical of you, but I am being critical of where you dispose of all that crap, all the makeup and creams and, and I, I've never been a fan of shaving in the sink. I know there's lots of people that do, but nope, it's not a good idea. Uh, but if you do, you do, and that's fine, but all that stuff's going down the drain and, and you know, that drain that, that you're pouring all this stuff down is is literally, I don't know, about twice the size of a decent sized candle. Okay, it, it it you know it's about an inch across. It's not very big, and typically there's a shaft in there that's the connected to the plunger, the pop up assembly there. So you're running all this crap down it. So by running this hot water that you're brushing your teeth with. You're bringing the hot water to that sink, which brings it to the bathroom. Um, but you're running the hot water down the drain, which is helping evacuate all that stuff and any hair that may be caught on all that stuff. So you're kind of getting a free sewer cleaning out of that. And if you get in the habit of always brushing your teeth before you get in the shower, uh, you know, brushing your teeth is a good thing. We all know that. Um, but it will eliminate the foot tap. It'll, it will uh, save you some time in the shower and you won't be wasting as much water. Believe me when I tell you more water comes out of the shower head than the faucet at the sink, okay? So you're, you're not gonna spend as much water as you're already spending pouring it down the drain. So that's the uh, hot water foot tap. The last little trick of the trade is what I call the vacation disposal tap. 
And this is for all those people who have disposals. And I tell you all, get rid of them. They're not worth the, they're bad for the environment. They're not, they're not good for anything except they happen to be a little convenient because I know it's so difficult to scrape all that off into the trash can. Oh, it's horrid. It's just so terrible to wipe it off with the fork into the trash can. We've just got to have a disposal. Anyhow, vacation disposal tap. If you have a disposal and you're leaving for a few days, this can only be just a couple days, anything two or three days or more. One of the last things you're going to do, and there are many things you should be doing as you leave, but this is one of the things you need to start always doing. Hopefully, you're not leaving with a whole sink full of dishes as you go out of town for the mice and roaches and ants to devour um, and draw them inside your house. So you're leaving a clean sink and you've run everything through your disposal that you're going to run through it. What you do is uh, you do make sure it is clear and free, your disposal. There's no active anything going on. And then you take less than a capful of whatever you like to use, whether it's walnut oil, olive oil, coconut oil, whatever. Do not use WD-40. Do not use motor oil or any of those type of, of engineered oils. Just use a tiny little bit, less than a capful. Pour it in the disposal, reach over, and if you have a switch, you flip it on, you count to about one and turn it off. Basically, what you're doing is you're taking that little tiny bit of oil and you're slinging it around the chamber of the garbage disposal. If you have the push button type, push down, and no sooner than you push down and it's cut on, push down again and turn it off. And then leave. And don't run any more water down the sink. If you screw up and do, then you repeat as necessary. Anyhow, the smallest piece of food, especially pasta, if it's down in the garbage disposal and has an opportunity to dry out, you can freeze up the chamber of the garbage disposal and when you get back and go to cut it on, it won't work. So this is a simple, easy thing. It's good for the maintenance of the, of the uh, garbage disposal because a garbage disposal is not designed to really dry completely out. It's always a little damp in there. Helps keep it lubricated. So if you're going to leave for more than a couple of days, putting that little bit of vegetable oil in there and then spinning it up keeps it from drying out completely. It keeps it lubricated and it ensures that no food is going to be caught in the blades down there. That's your three secrets, your three tricks of the trade, if you will, to start you off for 22 and you. Now, we're, we're going to hit a couple of recommendations as we go into this year. And, and both of them are general. They're, they're general recommendations. Um, but this is something else that came up quite a bit right after Christmas in emails. And, and as a reminder, our email is plumbingsecrets at yahoo.com. Again, that's plumbingsecrets, all one word, at yahoo.com. Dot com. If you're like me, I hate it when somebody rattles it off and you're like, what are they saying? <laughs> so plumbing secrets at yahoo.com. Um, the first one is 
stop using PEX pipe inappropriately. And if you don't know what PEX pipe is, you've probably seen it and don't realize it. Most commonly seen is red and blue pipe. And it's real flexible. You'll see it in rolls. Sometimes you'll see it on the back of a plumber's truck in, in, in lengths like 10 foot or 20 foot stretched out straight. But when the wind blows as it's going down the road, they kind of flap around a little bit. They're, they're very flexible. Everything has its appropriate use. Okay. And, and, and PEX pipe is included in that. When you're, when you're dealing with PEX pipe, you really, you know, I always talk about this in previous podcasts. If you, if you, if you're new, go back and listen to the podcast, not because it, it, it helps my numbers or whatever. No, I don't give a crap about that. Just go listen to the podcast because there's stuff on there that will help you. Okay. That's why I want you to listen to it. There's some, there's some good gems on there you'll find, but I, I, I've mentioned it before about knowing your plumber, <laughs> how important that is, getting somebody you can trust that's not ripping you off, that's looking out for your best interests. Um, uh, but PEX pipe, uh, you need to know the negatives, okay? The positive is it's inexpensive and it is very flexible. And it comes in red and blue, <laughs> hot and cold, right? Although the cold will work for hot, the hot will work for cold. It's made of the same composite, just has a different dye in the, in the, in the, you know, when it's, when they're making it. So, um, PEX pipe, if you live in a house that has a slab, concrete slab on the ground, right? And you're going to have piping underneath the slab. Number one, you have no joints underneath your slab ever. Do not ever allow a plumber to put a joint underneath a concrete slab in your home. But in my opinion, PEX piping, if you've got to run piping under a slab that you're going to pour concrete on, a continuous run of PEX pipe is a good thing. It is. Um... Honestly, I think that's the only thing that I can sit here and tell you that it's good for. You know, maybe whacking weeds or something. I, I don't know. But aside from that, I wouldn't put it in the walls. I wouldn't put it in the attic. I wouldn't put it outside anywhere. I wouldn't use it under a house that's off the ground. Um, and here's why. We live in a world full of animals. Possums, raccoons, squirrels, mice, rats, okay? Any and all of these things, if they get a hold of a piece of PEX pipe, they can chew through it literally in about two seconds. That's it. CPVC pipe. Can they chew through it? Yeah, but it's very unusual. It's a lot harder. It takes a lot longer. Typically, they'll just give up. Okay, and, and obviously, if it's copper, they're not going to chew through that at all. Um, they might lick it. It may have condensation on it because it's copper pipe. Um, if, it's, if it's where they can get to it. Um, but that's it. So, 
PEX pipe is very dangerous in the fact that it can be breached very easily. And there's different ways of connecting PEX pipe. Uh, one way of connecting it, which is very common, are these bands. And they're not all stainless, by the way. They make cheap bands that a little machine uh, uh, sucks the band down and puts this little clamp on it and it holds it in place. And at that very connection, you have a fitting that is half the size of the pipe. So, you know, so now you've lost flow. Okay. You, you've increased pressure because you're making the pipe smaller, but, uh, no, I like lots of flow, lots of pressure, lots of flow to all my outlets, everywhere it goes, okay? And that's the best way to make that work. But in, in, in the cases where they're shoving a fitting up inside the pipe, you're causing a restriction. And they have stainless steel ones uh, that will crimp around it, but they also have cheap ones that oftentimes plumbers will use even even in municipalities where they're not supposed to use them well where do we all live when you think about the u.s you could draw a line along the coasts from washington state down through california uh, uh you go through the desert then all of a sudden you hit texas and you got that big coastline and all the southern states go around the tip of florida up the east coast all the way up to maine now, granted, there's plenty of people that live in the middle, lots, but there's a whole lot more people that live right there on the water. And what is that water? It is salt water. There's salt water in the ground. There's, there's salt in the ground. There's salt in the air, and it corrodes those cheap bands, and they come apart. And then you have leaks. Just another reason why I don't like it. Um... And, uh, you know, they have some really fancy stuff. Well, I got to tell you, there, there's just one machine that, that's like $1,500 and another one that's like $3,000. Uh, PEX pipe can be connected another way. They have free flow fittings um, that are the same size as the pipe that you're using. Uh, a common name for them are Shark Bite. John Guest is another common name. John Guest makes a solar type fitting that will work out in the sun or can be used inside a wall. Typically, your Shark Bite, another company is called Tektite. Those cannot be used in a wall unless there's an access panel. So, you know, you think about, well, what is Ed talking about? Well, like behind your tub, you know, there should be a little access panel there. Um, yeah, it's an example where you could use a shark bite or, or tech type fitting. It's perfectly fine because you can get to it. And the reason is because they're really not permanent. They don't have a locking mechanism that is permanent enough for the code to say it's okay. Uh, so, yeah, there's some fittings that will work. But uh, uh, you still have the problem with rodents that they they just aren't going to be able to overcome that. And, and that's why if it's above ground, if it's in the attic, or if it's in an open area under a house that's off the ground or anywhere outside, I won't use PEX. And I don't recommend it, and it's really a bad idea. 
Um, however, it's wonderful under a concrete slab. It will not interact with the ground. And uh, uh, once it is buried, it's not going to change shape. It's not going to flatten out once the concrete is poured up above. Uh, it'll hold its shape and it'll sit there for, you know, generations. So that's, that's, that's a good application, but be aware of that when you're, you know, doing your planning of what you're going to build and what you're going to do, remodel, whatever. All right. Your next recommendation is you got to get a filter. You need a whole house filter that covers your condo or your apartment or your house. You got to stop drinking this water. Okay. Now, I'm not a fan of people that get out there and try to scare people, especially when they're drinking off city water. I am a fan of telling people, drink your city water, okay? It's the, it's the best thing you can do for the, for the best environmental impact, okay? We've got this municipality. It works. Uh, some work a lot better than others. Some are horrible, yes. But for the most part, they all work. The problem is because we live in a world full of bugs, I'm talking about microorganisms, they have to treat the water in such a way uh, that, that over time it gets to be more or different. Okay. And, and they're, they're not going to be sending things that they're going to tell you that are not good for you. <laughs> They're going to tell you it's okay, but you have to remember to take everything with a huge grain of salt, including me, okay, and anybody. But the bottom line is you just don't need the chlorine. You don't need to be drinking it. You know, it's like drinking your pool water. When you're a kid, do you drink a little pool water? Sure, because your parents told you not to drink the pool water. And you're like, well, I didn't bother me. Yeah. Well, you do it every day for 75 years, it might. You might have some thyroid issues or something. But, you know, to qualify this, there, there are different names. You have whole house filter, dechlorinator is a common name. But uh, basically, you're removing the ammonia nitrates or the, the, the chlorine or uh, you know, the various chlorine type chemicals they're using to clean the water. They're wonderful. But once they hit your front doorstep, you don't need them anymore. You, you don't need them anymore. And uh, when you go to service your water filter, typically what you do is, is you, uh, you run the chlorinated water through your house. You, you put your filter in bypass and yeah, you run your water for a day or two with chlorine and let it clean the pipes. And then you put your filter back on. Um, it is just that simple. It's so easy. Now, you do not, under any circumstance, if you live in a municipality, and let me back up, I shouldn't say under any circumstance, there are plenty of rural water treatment systems out there that are crap. And when I say crap, I mean bird crap. They don't service or are not servicing their water towers, and there are feet, okay, we're talking about in feet, full of sludge that is left to decay at the, at the 
the bottom part of that nice bubble you see up in the air, your water tower. And the cities are too broke or too cheap to actually have it cleaned on a proper basis. Now, there are plenty of municipalities that don't clean it often enough, okay? However, they are using enough chemical to overcome what is there. But again, that's really shouldn't, you know, that really shouldn't be the solution to use more chemical. Just clean the water towers. Uh, but oftentimes, if you call your city municipality, you'll find that they don't clean the water towers, but every seven to 10 years. And a, a huge number of water towers have an opening in the very, very top that is only covered by a metal grate that birds can get through. And they do, quite often, get through, fall into the water, and die. So when they go to clean the water tower out, uh, you have feet full of sludge and bones from the birds and any other animals that happen to fall in there who are overwhelmed by the smell of chlorine. So yeah, it, it's not cool. It's not a good thing. But the bottom line is they put so many chemicals in there that your water's good to go by the time it gets to your house in most cases. So it may be counterintuitive, but you don't need a reverse osmosis system. Now, if you live in the country and you're pumping your own water out of the ground, yes, you should have a whole house reverse osmosis system or some type of reverse osmosis system coupled with some type of cleaning slash chlorination and and uh, a whole house filter to remove that because you do need to clean your water before you drink it. And uh, an RO in that instance is a very good idea, especially for the whole house, but they are expensive um, when you're pumping your own water out of the ground. Uh, it's just you at your house, whereas a municipality is doing it for thousands and thousands of people. So it becomes much cheaper because everybody's chipping in just a little bit. Um, so get a filter. Take the chlorine out. And I'm talking about a whole house filter. I'm not talking about the thing on your refrigerator. That's useless, okay? Putting something under your sink, that's pretty much useless. You're just wasting your money. You're giving it to the box stores. Uh, and a whole house filter is not a cartridge type filter where you're going and buying a cartridge every six months. No. You want a filter that just sits there and does its job, and approximately every four or five years, you change it out. And you don't do anything. And there's nothing to maintain. And when you smell chlorine, when you go to take a shower and it smells like you're in a swimming pool, it's time to change the filter. <laughs> it's, it's time. It's that easy. It's just not hard. And... Uh, these chemicals, you don't need them. And, and we could sit here and debate for hours. You could get a whole panel of people and talking about, uh, uh, oh, this is FDA approved. Yeah, it's great. There's a lot of things that are FDA approved, aren't there? How many recalls do we get every year? T tell me about our FDA inspections, please. Go on. I want to hear more. Uh, so let's not go there. Uh, just take the chlorine out. And be done with it. And, and be able to drink water out of your bathroom faucet. Um, and, and not have it taste terrible. And not have it be bad for you either. Um, so that, that is a 
uh, you know, a very key recommendation this year. Really think about that. Uh, set aside the money and do it. Um, even in apartments, there are ways to where you can do that, and you take the filter with you when you leave. Uh, if you have a good plumber, they can figure out a way to make that work for you. So that is our recommendations as we start our new year, 22 and you. And this podcast ran a little bit long, but hey, it's the first one. I kind of like to keep them down around 30 minutes because I know how busy you guys are. Um, I want to thank everybody while we were on our break there. Unlike other people who take breaks, no, I wasn't off in Hawaii somewhere. I was just working. Um, there wasn't a break from work, just a break from the podcast a little bit. Uh, but thank you so much for all the emails. We get hundreds and hundreds of emails on, um, the account and it's, it's great to hear from all y'all. It's great to have your input. Um, uh, I even get emails from people saying they, uh, I'm trying to think of the right way to word it. How do they say it? They say, uh, we feel it might be in your best interest to have us on as a guest. They're trying to hawk their product or their service. And, you know, I, I th there may come a time where somebody wants to sponsor uh, Plumbing Secrets. I, I don't know. And, and we'll cross that bridge when it comes to it. It needs to be the, I don't know, the, the right kind of sponsor before I'll, I'll, I'll allow that to happen. I'm not going to allow the integrity of the show to be compromised just to have some sponsor that wants to hawk their crap on our show. Um, not going to do it. So just to save you time, if you happen to be listening to the podcast, any of you out there that are, are thinking you want to send me an email saying how much, uh, you would like to, or how much it would be to my benefit to have your boss come on my show. Yeah, no. <laughs> we might have a guest or two in the future. Um, you know, it just depends on how the show grows and, and, you know, it's going to grow organically basically. And, uh, yeah, there's a few people I would have on the show. Sure. Bill Maher wants to come on the show. Bill, we can have a great talk. You're welcome. Anytime. Um, and you know, just so you know, I don't agree with everybody. I don't always agree with Bill Maher, but there is one thing recently I've, I've been hearing him say that I totally agree with is that we got to get along everybody and people have varying opinions. People have, uh, varying perspectives. Now, I am a believer in facts are facts, okay? And until proven wrong, um, you know, via the scientific method, I, I just, I, I, I believe in it, that, that we, we've got to talk to each other. We've got to listen to each other, even when you disagree. And disagreeing is great. That's how we resolve things. So there's nothing wrong with disagreeing. But it should not involve hating. And, and anyone that wants to go there, yeah, I, I, I'm sorry, you, you have crossed a bridge where I don't really care. Yeah, that, that, that's the bridge too far. If you want to involve hate, well, then, then yeah, you're just not going to be involved. 
Um, and, and yeah, that, that's the kind of the, the point of, of you need to figure that out because we do need to get along. We do need to listen to each other, even when we disagree. And even, you know, I find that even when I disagree with someone that oftentimes there are very many things that they say that, uh, are helpful. There can be all kinds of gems hidden in, in all kinds of things. And, uh, even from really bad people, which you might consider a really bad person, there might be something they say that actually could be useful. You, you just don't know. But you've got to listen. We've got to get along. And um, But that being said, there are limits. And we need to know what those limits are. And I, I am just huge on free speech. Uh, uh, huge. Now, granted, that being said, I'm not going to have uh, Tucker Carlson on this show. <laughs> no, Tucker. Fuck you. Anyhow, I, I'm not going to have him on this show. I'm not going to have uh, someone who their expressed uh, uh, platform in, in life is to just belittle other people. No, that's the bridge too far. Okay. But yet, I would have someone on this show that might have conservative leanings if they want to talk about plumbing and how it relates to our policies and, and, uh, uh, you know, anything from FDA to, to water, to sewer, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm very interested in that. I like to know their perspective and, uh, and see where they're coming from, what their ideas are. When I grew up, it used to be sort of a, a little bit of a caricature, a little bit of a joke, sort of. But it was always thought that um, people that tended to be more liberal were were kind of like the the Imagineers. Okay, they they dream up the stuff, and the conservatives were the ones that figured out how we were going to pay for it. And <laughs> neither were were bad. Neither were bad, and neither were to be frowned on, and and neither frowned on each other. So the Imagineers didn't sit there and criticize the people that were figuring out the budget. They just presented it and said, look, I really think we should do this. I think this could be a real big help to people. It could save lives. It might save money. And then the people that are figuring out the budget would say, okay, let's let's look at this. Let's see if there's a way we can make this work. But they look at it, you know, dispassionately. They look at it from more of a numbers standpoint. and But they weren't judging the Imagineers, saying, well, that's just stupid. Well, your ideas are stupid. No, they weren't doing that. And they worked together. And they were literally, you know, not meaning to use a stereotype or, or shove people in only two categories. Uh, I, I'm just simply looking at it from a more of a childlike viewpoint. Okay, there, there are all kinds of different people. We're all very, very different. Uh, I, I'm just giving you the example so you can you can look at it and say, you know, there's no excuse for us not getting along. Uh, you know, you don't sit there and criticize the person that. Uh, is actually trying to figure out a way to help you figure out how to find money to make this work. 
okay? But you don't be the person that is trying to find a way and not be trying to find a way. You're just being critical. You, you know, both sides are responsible. Both sides have to get along, and it shouldn't be both sides. There shouldn't be sides. That's that's the other thing. It's, you know, it's, it's not that we live in a lovey-dovey world and we all need to be this big commune. No, no. That's not the real world. We argue, we fight, we disagree. That's the real world. But we don't have to hate each other and we don't have to kill each other. And uh, that's also the real world. But we all are on the same side. And the sooner people figure that out, the sooner we'll maybe survive all of this. Because... Folks, the bad news with the podcast of 22 and you is if we don't figure this shit out, we're not going to be here. There'll be nothing left. And it's not a pro, you know, I'm not procrastinating doom. I'm just sharing reality. Reality is if we don't figure stuff out, then we're not going to have the air. We're not going to have the water and we're not going to survive. And seeing as how we haven't figured out a viable way to go other places our you know our most reliable thing is going to a little tiny apartment that floats around our planet which is getting ready to crash and burn we have to build another space station but that's the most successful thing we've actually done going to the moon uh, you know, all we did was stop by. Okay. Was it a monumental achievement? Absolutely. It is, it's really cool. And it's really good. It's a great step, right? But we sure didn't figure out a way to live there. And we aren't living there. And it's not a great place to live. So all that being true, we are third rock from the sun. And this is what we got. So... Before we figure out a place to go, which may take some time, we might want to have enough time to figure that out. So uh, killing each other, hating each other, uh, uh, not coexisting and, and living in some relative harmony. This is stupid. It's just stupid. So we're better than that. We're much better than that, which shall be the closing theme of 22 and You. I wish you all luck. Please stay safe. We're doing well. It's going to get better. And uh, uh, we'll see you for the next episode. And uh, as always, remember, hey, what do I know? I'm just a plumber, right? Take care.